tonight. Take out your Bibles, get out your swords. It's living, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. It divides between joint and marrow, between soul and spirit. We are the redeemed of the Lord, and God saved us for a plan and a purpose, and we're bringing that light back to our homes. It has to start there. And I want to remind you that though we've seen this instruction to the wives, we've seen the instruction to the husbands, we're now going to see the instruction to the parents and to the children. You get a picture that God meant what he said, said what he meant there in Genesis 17 when he's speaking to Abraham and he says, look, I I, I want to bless you and I want to use you and I want to multiply you. You see, if every Christian home lived by these principles, if every Christian home actually in our world lived out these things, can you imagine how different our world would be? And so we continue the lighted home here, part four, and really parenting. You you see, if we take that love, if we take that respect, if we take, remember the lordship of Jesus Christ, let us not forget that in verse 21, what was said, submit yourselves one another to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're all supposed to be like Jesus. Nobody gets to escape that command. None of us are allowed to kind of make it up on our own. Well, it's okay, you know, my wife can follow Jesus and I'll just be a carnal heathen. It's not okay for us as as parents to set a a dual standard, a, a double example, if you will. We're to have one example in our homes for our children as Christians. And that example is Christ. That example is that dad is like Jesus. Mom is like Jesus. The two of them show their kids like Jesus so that their kids will be like Jesus. Amen? How simple is that instruction? And yet difficult to do. Amen? It's hard at times. Our world is a mess. It's upside down and it's absolutely contrary to virtually everything that we know about the character of Christ. If you just take the character of Christ, reverse it, that's what you get in the world, generally speaking. And so we see this incredible story begin to unfold. You see, it's a major component. We are supposed to be this little nucleus of the human family that begins, you could actually take it all the way back to Adam and Eve, but if you just take it to us, your family, mom, dad, and children being like Jesus, and then they share that with another family, and mom, dad, and the children become like Jesus, and then another family becomes a small community of three or four families, and mom and dad and all the children being like Jesus, and then it just expands and spreads. You see this light then ultimately starts to fill the whole world. That was God's plan, and it is still God's plan. That's why it's so important that our words and our works be of the same character and the same quality, amen? We we need to live these things, not just talk about them. One of the problems that we have in our world with the church in general is the church talks one way when we're here, and we live another way when we're there. And so the picture now comes to our homes. And I want you to see exactly how simple God makes this, because we're, we're, you know, we're a little thick, amen? 
Sometimes we, we kind of overcomplicate things. I, I enjoy talking about theology with people, but you know, I've never actually met anybody who got saved because they studied theology. Can I just tell you that? They got saved because they recognized that they were a sinner. They couldn't do a thing about it themselves. They realized that Jesus was the Savior. They gave their life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells them. And then all of a sudden, they're a different person. That's how it works. It's not because you can understand you know, the various doctrines of the faith and explain them and write a college thesis on them. It's simple. And so to keep it simple, notice what is said. And let's look at these first four verses as we move forward. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just simply right. And notice it says, in the Lord. It doesn't say obey your parents if they're being total carnal heathens. It doesn't say if your parents decide that it's okay for you to smoke reaper in your house, that, yeah, well, got, mom and dad said so. If your parents decide that they want to watch pornography, that's not what it's saying. It's saying Christian parents in a Christian home raising Christian children should be like Jesus, lead their children in being like Jesus. And when they do that, the children's task is very simple. They can model mom and dad. Honor your father and mother, verse 2 says here in Ephesians 6, which is the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. How marvelous is the heritage of godliness within the family. And then, us guys again. Don't you love this, guys? You kind of get the opinion that God thinks that we need a little extra help at times. Amen? He's right, because we do. We're, we're prone uh, to, to kind of, we're problem solvers, most of us. We see things, we fix it. Our problem is the way we go about fixing things very often is not the best way. And so look what he says to us. And you fathers, the word there is pateras in the original language, which, which means actually can be translated parents, but it says fathers, it's in the male connotation. Do not provoke your children to wrath. In other words... Don't be so harsh on your children that they have nowhere to go but rebellion. Don't give them things that they are going to fail at because you've made the penalty so severe. You know, isn't it crazy sometimes? Because we, we, we get concerned for our children, so we take and we make the penalty something that we ourselves not only wouldn't want, but we couldn't perform under those circumstances either. I know you didn't take out the trash, but I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> and I'm taking away your cell phone. Don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. Notice the, the little transitional conjunction there, but. In other words, you kind of have an equal opportunity here. You, you can not provoke them by bringing them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And so in our short time, let's look at what's really being said here. The, this simple task. It's, look, look, it's very easy. If children cannot trust you to lead them in following Christ, then they will follow someone or something. 
And let me tell you what the substitute options are if you're a Christian parent. It's their peers. It's their godless friends at school. It's our national morality. It is drugs. It is alcohol. It is pornography. They will follow something. Children have an innate desire to actually be taught and trained. They actually enjoy it most of the time when it's done in a way that pleases the Lord. They're looking for boundaries. They actually don't object to the rules, but the rules have to be something that when mom and dad say them, mom and dad live them. And here's what happens, and here's how we get in trouble. Mom and dad say, well, you shouldn't ever drink because you're 14 years old and then you're out in the backyard with your friends drinking. That is a confusing message, amen? You're saying one thing, doing another, and you can explain it all you want. Well, you know, I'm over 21. You could say, well, you should never, ever, ever, ever. In our house, my sons never ever, while they lived at home, ever watched any R-rated movie for any reason. And let me tell you why. Because you don't know what the content is ahead of time. And so you can say, well, it's a war movie, so it's going to be gory. Look, the Bible would be rated X if you turned it into a movie. Here's the difference. When you go watch something, it is ingrained in a visual way into your mind, and so what you see, you cannot get out of there. You don't get a little mind eraser. You come home, it's there. That's why we say things in computer language. Like if you take a CD and you put it into your drive on your computer, you rip the information from the CD to your hard drive, or you copy what's on that digital media to your hard drive. It's copied. We call that burning. It's burned into the disk itself. The same is true for your children. What they watch you do, how they actually see you function is burned into. So when you tell them to do something one way and you yourself do it the other, you're burning into their hard drive a mixed message. Live godly in Christ Jesus. Set a standard and you be the example of that standard. That keeps it simple for them. Your children need that example in their lives. You see, what's being said here is really, look, if you're a Christian parent, you have a really good opportunity to raise Christian children. If you will live godly in Christ, you will raise them in the training and in the admonition of the Lord and make no distinction between those two words in a practical way, but in an applicational way, they're very different. Because the training is very much like sitting down with them with a book and saying, look, this is what the manual says. We pick up our Bibles and say, look, this is, this is how we do this as a Christian. This is the training manual. And then you admonish them. You say, look, son, daughter, let me come alongside of you and let's walk through this together. I want to live my life in a way so that my children don't get a secondary message. Well, Dad said this, but he does this. You see, the admonishment is the part where you've got to live it so they'll believe it. 
You train them, you instruct them, you give them the standard, and then you come alongside and let me help you. And oh, by the way, how many of you in here need grace in your life? Don't you think your children need grace? How many of you need mercy in your life? Don't you think your children need mercy? So what you need, please give to your kids. Because they're going to fail. They're going to stumble. They're going to have some issues. But you need to come back to this and then help them through it. Not, well, I told you once, sorry, but, you know, I made you, I'll make another one. I, I, I know it's a problem for you, but I gave you two tries, so it's over. I know you're 12, find a place to live. You you see where the mercy and the grace comes in? They they struggle with, maybe they get involved in drugs. I'm not asking you to raise, I don't even want to know. Maybe they get involved in in some sexual sin. I do not want to know. I'm fairly certain, I am fairly certain that if I ask how many of you, and I'm in Jesus' name, if you raise your hand, I'll slap you. Do not raise your hands. But if I did ask the question, how many of you had some kind of sexual experience prior to getting married, I'm pretty sure most of the hands in this room are going to go in the air. So don't beat your kids up. They get involved in something they shouldn't do. Don't beat your kids up. Lovingly instruct them, give them appropriate guidelines, and then walk with them through it as far as you need to go, and husbands, remember what the standard is all the way to death. Die trying is how you need to look at that. Give it everything you got, because there's no more important thing you will ever do on this earth than to raise your kids in Christ Jesus. Nothing you can do remotely compares to that. Amen? You want to wipe out the ills in in our world, Raise godly kids and let them affect others to raise their kids godly in Christ Jesus. A couple of generations, we can all go home. Amen? We set that standard, and so it's very simple. And so there's a biblical precept here, and I think we can get through these things fairly clearly. In the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, if you like to call it that, Uh, those ten commands that were given to the children of Israel. It's the essence of the law. And half of it is the duty to God, half of it is the duty to man. And right in the middle, notice what's there. The transition between our understanding of who God is, the first five commands, and our understanding of how to apply it, the second five commands, is the family. That's where it happens. Mom and dad say, this is what the Lord says. They live it. And then after that, we don't want our kids going here. Notice the, you shall not. God very frequently gives us negative commands because we don't get the positive ones all that well. So he says, look, don't do this. So he says, here's who I am. Here's what I don't want you to do. And he puts the family right in the middle of it. He says, mom and dad, raise your kids that way. Why? Why? Because in this precept, this amazing, really promise to us, this way that we understand God's character, we understand His nature. You know, you have to remember that what God says, He says for a purpose, amen? So if He says something for a purpose and He gives us a, a, a precept, He's offering us a promise. And notice what the promise is, that it might be well with you. 
I can tell you something, that, that raising two boys in our world was not an easy thing. But I can tell you nothing, no thing on this earth has brought me, and Connie, I can speak for her as well, both of us, has, has brought nothing has brought us more joy than to know that our boys are walking with the Lord. Nothing. No ministry experience, no thing that we've ever done, no possession that we have, none of it. We would trade all of it to know that it is well with our sons. Everything. I've even told people, if I could not be a godly husband and a godly father, I am not fit for ministry. That's where it has to start, right there. That it might be well with you, that you might live long on the earth. Does that mean that there aren't kids that grow up in a godly environment that do the wrong thing? Look, they're sinners. They're, they're, they're capable of doing the same things that you were capable of doing. But we don't give up on them. We continue to pray for them. We continue to set the same example. We for sure don't help them. I can't even tell you how many times I have listened to a young person in my office at the camp say, well, my dad showed me how to do that. My mom was the first person that took me to a bar. That's truth. They're 17, 18 years old. Well, my dad wanted to, you know, wanted me to toke up in the backyard with him because he didn't have anybody to smoke with. My first hit on a bowl was because dad showed me how to do it. You want it to be well with you? Raise your children godly in Christ Jesus. Do not simply try to be their friend. You want to be a friend to them, but you want to be a friend who will sharpen their iron with your iron if necessary. And you want to tell them the tough things and then help them walk through those tough things. All the way through. Pretty terrifying task, amen? And so to help us understand that, don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't don't give standards to your kids that you would fail at. Because if you do, I guarantee you, you're going to raise them to hate the Lord. I can't tell you how many parents have come to me. I don't know why my kids don't want to come to church. Well, because you needled them to coming to church. You beat on them. You gave them. Let me give you a little example from my own life. I was punished personally I was punished with scripture memorization. Do you want to know what that does to an 11, 12-year-old? It makes you hate the Word of God. You need to remember who they are. I have almost no memories of my grandparents, either one of them, on, on either side. But I do have of my, of my grandpa, my dad's dad. And I remember he used to call all of us, the grandkids, Little people, little children sometimes. But you call us little people most of the time. Oh, they're just little people. Now, can I tell you that's true? Your children are little people. They have emotions. They have thoughts. They have dreams. They have aspirations. They have hope. They have fear. They have likes. They have dislikes. They're little people. And they're looking to you to show them how to become big people. That's your job. And you do that with as much Jesus as you can possibly pour into their lives. That's the methodology. Don't provoke them. 
Yeah, some of them are strong-willed. Some of them will go the direction they're going to go because they're going to go that way. But your job is to bring them back to Jesus each time, every time. Keep pouring into them. There's nothing you will ever regret more than not pouring into your children as much as you possibly can because you will regret that. You will have the what if. What if I had just prayed more? What if I had just been with them more? What if I had just simply allowed God to work in their life and continued to suffer long and to be kind? That's what love does, doesn't it? To suffer long and be kind. And yet I've watched parent after parent after parent there, I have, and, and, this, and it just pains me to say this, I can't tell you how many parents, because of financial reasons, because their kids make dumb choices, they kick their kids out when they're 18 years old. Kick them out. Why am I saying this? Because that's not love. Maybe they're not ready. Maybe they are. Maybe they could have gone when they were 16. You need to minister to them. It's not for joy. And by the way, I'm just telling you something about Pastor Jeff. If I see on your motorhome or your car, I am spending my grandkids' inheritance, you and I are having a talk. <laughs> because it ain't about you. It's about him. And Scripture declares to us that we are to live in, leave an inheritance to our children's children. That's called investing in your kids. Investing in their future. And we need to go the extra mile and not exasperate them. Love on them. Care for them. Pray for them. Be gracious unto them. They may not deserve it, but you don't deserve to be saved. They may not earn it, but you have earned death and hell, and you're not getting it. You can take that to the bank, folks. You can take that to the bank, spiritually. What David said in Psalm 119, Your words, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We take that word, we apply it to our kids' lives. And I guarantee you as we do that, you're going to see fruit you can't imagine. And that motive becomes then to instruct and to admonish, to come alongside and say, Look, Man, I didn't do this right myself. Can I tell you a really see, a great secret to parenting? Be transparent with your kids. Let them know you aren't perfect. Let them understand, hey, we can walk this road together because the first time around I didn't do it so good myself. Come alongside of them and recognize it's tough being a kid. It staggers my mind to think of the way the world was when I was uh, in, in grade school. In the seventh grade, and I remember this, we actually had a kid that got suspended for chewing gum. Got suspended. It's like the gates of hell had opened and Wrigley's came out. <laughs> and now the kids are... They're, they're being forced to watch sex education videos as 12-year-olds. You don't think it's a little tougher to be a kid right now? You might want to remember that when you're raising your children. You need to have the right motive, and that motive needs to be love. That motive needs to be kindness and gentleness and meekness 
and self-control. Against such things, even God's word is unnecessary. God's word is unnecessary if you act in a manner befitting Christ. You're living it. They can see it as tangible. And you're probably saying to yourself right now, well, I think I'll just go to Mongolia or something. It'd be safer. Oh, praise God for His grace. Amen? Amen? You, you see, maybe you have not done these things well. Maybe there's a, a deficit. Maybe there's some type of, of issue that maybe you're struggling with. Can I tell you right now, God's grace is sufficient for you. He's sufficient for your failures, your weaknesses, even your rebellion, your disobedience. He's also sufficient for your kids and for what they need and for what you need to be to help them become all that they can be. And so as we close in prayer, if that's you, let God turn it around, amen? He's able. He's able. He can give a fresh start anytime, anywhere, any place. Amen? He's not bound by time like we are. He can take the most messed up family situation and, and turn it into the most glorious, wonderful work that you can possibly even ever imagine. The fact that God could do with me what He's done coming from such a broken, messed up family is nothing short of a miracle. So if you want to see one, you want to talk to one, come talk to me. God can fill in those holes. He can make the path smooth. Our simple task, raise our children in the training, the admonition of the Lord. Simple. The task then for the children, just follow my mom and dad as they're being like Jesus. You do that, It'll be well with you. And you'll live long on this earth. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we again just are so grateful for the simple, the plain instruction of your word to us as parents. God, I want to pray for those struggling families. Lord, I'm sure represented here this morning. There's been some messes made. Lord, some things that need to be cleaned up and God, maybe it seems like it's too late. Not enough effort. But Lord, with you, all things. With you, all things. With you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, I want to pray for those struggling families, those struggling moms and dads and kids. God, you know exactly what needs to happen. And you know how to apply your word in a way that's meaningful and purposeful and produces results. And so, God, we just give you our lives afresh and anew, so grateful for the simplicity of this instruction and pray that you would just bless us now with the ability to actually go live it. We love you, we praise you, we bless you, and God's people all set. Amen. Amen and amen.